Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we're talking about the Hawks' 99-104 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. The Hawks get off to a hot start at State Farm Arena, but the Sixers use a scorching start to the second half to defeat the Hawks despite some hot shooting from Trey Young and Danilo Gallinari. Both teams will go back to Philadelphia for Game 7 on Sunday. Without further ado, let's get into it. The Hawks had it right in front of them. They played a wonderful first half. They had a lead going into the second half, a four-point lead, and it looked like all signs pointed to the Hawks finishing off the series and moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. But Seth Curry, Joel Embiid, uh, and the 76ers really just put those dreams to bed and had a really nice second half, and ultimately the Hawks couldn't make shots down the stretch, and that was the big difference in the game. Funnily enough, like Ben Simmons being unable to hit free throws in a couple of these games earlier in the series, the Hawks are unable to hit some free throws themselves. And in a five-point game, that makes all the difference in the world. But let's go through this game. We'll get into the individual performances and look ahead to Game 7 on Sunday. This game couldn't have started any better from the Hawks. In the MLK jerseys in that court, the fans were there. State Farm Arena seemed to be rocking, and Trey Young got started early. He had an awesome first quarter Kind of like Joel Embiid had a great first quarter up in Philadelphia for Game 6. Trey Young came out really hot. He was 4 of 6 in the quarter, 1 of 2 on his 3-pointers for 11 points. The Hawks built the lead all the way up to 13, and it looked like the Hawks were just cruising. One of the things that was kind of worrisome, as much as kind of these games where the Hawks have gotten behind because they haven't hit shots, I thought the Hawks could have pushed the lead even higher than they did in that first quarter. There's a couple times they just had some loose turnovers. And then Doc Rivers made a really nice uh, adjustment and put Tyrese Maxey in. And Tyrese Maxey, the rookie uh, out of Kentucky, came in and he really changed the game. He would ultimately score more points in this game than he had the entire series up to now. And number zero for the Sixers was a big difference maker. I thought the Sixers' second unit played a lot better than the Hawks' second unit. It's been a weird series in that sometimes... The second units of the visiting teams have played a lot better, but Tyrese Maxey led that uh, that sixer second lineup, and they were able to come all the way back, and in the second quarter, they actually tied the game while Trey Young was out. Nate McMillan put Trey Young back out there, and immediately the Hawks went on a run and established, reestablished the lead, getting it all the way up back up to double digits once again, um, but... The Sixers made another little push and were able to cut into the lead, and ultimately the lead was only four at the end of two quarters. This was a defensive struggle on both sides. Neither team scored over 30 points in a quarter. Well, Philadelphia scored 33 in the third quarter, but other than that, both sides only scored in the 20s, and it was really the offensive side of the ball that was a a struggle for both sides. Neither team shot the ball particularly well. The Hawks shot the ball 41% from the field, 33% from three, 54% from the free throw line. They were 13 of 24. And again, in a five-point game, that is just brutal. The Sixers shot 41% from the field, 41% from three. Seth Curry was a big part of that, chipping in with six of nine three-pointers. And then the Sixers themselves were 16 of 23 from the free throw line. And a lot of the misses for the Sixers are sending Ben Simmons to the free throw line. But going into halftime, the Hawks had to feel good. They were up four at their home court. Again, that four-point lead was a little bit disappointing. Kind of felt like the Hawks should be up by more than that. But you'll take any lead you can going into the second half of a potential elimination game. 
I don't know what Doc Rivers told the Sixers at halftime, but whatever he did, it worked. They came out immediately and went on a 14-0 run to start the second half, and that really just leveled the game as they built the lead. There would only be one lead change in this game. The Hawks were never able to get back into this game, never able to tie it or take the lead. And that huge run at the beginning of the second half was really the big difference maker. Seth Curry got hot. The Hawks lost him a couple times. I thought the Sixers did a really nice job of using Ben Simmons as a screener. The Hawks are not uh, respecting Ben Simmons anywhere outside the paint. So often his defender is just lurking in the paint. And so if the 76ers use Ben as a screener for Seth Curry, there's no help to go out and challenge a Seth Curry three. And it's just really unacceptable as now we're in the sixth game heading into the seventh game that the Hawks haven't identified Seth Curry and he still finds ways to get open. There was another shot during this game where Bogdan Bogdanovich came off of uh, Seth Curry to try to help on Joel Embiid. And Joel, who's a very good passer, who had, has had multiple games of five-plus assists this game, just kicked it out to Seth Curry for a three. But the Hawks just cannot give give Seth Curry looks. He's too much like Kyle Korver to me, where he can get if he gets loose, he's going to get loose for 18 points. And Seth Curry had another awesome game. But the 76ers really controlled that third quarter. Again, that was the only quarter by any team where uh, they scored more than 30 points. To the Hawks' credit, they fought back. It, it didn't get out of control. Uh, the 76ers had their biggest lead in that period, but the Hawks were able to cut it down and get it to be within four at the end of three quarters. So going into the fourth quarter, the Hawks had the ball, and they had two opportunities to tie this game. They they scored on the first possession, and then both Aneka Kangwu and Bogdan Bogdanovich had trips to the free throw line with opportunities to tie the game if they hit both free throws, and inexplicably, both players missed both sets of free throws, and the Hawks would never tie this game. Um, there would be some big shot making down the stretch as both Danilo Gallinari and Trey Young hit some just ridiculous three-pointers. Um, to get the Hawks within one. The Hawks were within one right at two minutes, but then the 76ers would be able to hit a couple shots and then make all their free throws down the stretch uh, to ice this game. But really frustrating game. Again, I thought the Hawks played about as well as you could want defensively to limit the 76ers to just one quarter of scoring 33 points. Otherwise, the Sixers were 22 in the first quarter, 25 in the second quarter, and 24 in the fourth quarter. That's as good a defense as you're going to do on this 76er team. The Hawks' offense has just got to perform better. Now, the Hawks' offense was uh, hampered a little bit. Bogdan Bogdanovich, again, did not have a strong game. He was just 3 of 11, 1 of 6 from three-point land for 7 points. But he only played 28 minutes, 28 and a half minutes this game. He came out, and again, he didn't play any of the fourth quarter. He has an injury on his knee. It is not the same injury that... Let, kept him out of 25 games this season, but his knee is sore. And even today, Nate McMillan gave an update that he said he doesn't know um, what Bogdanovich's status is going into tomorrow's game in Philadelphia. But not having Bogdanovich is a huge hit to the Hawks' offense. Now, the Hawks got an awesome game from Kevin Herter. Herter would ultimately play 44 minutes. He was 7 of 15 from the field, 2 of 6 on his three-pointers, 1 of 2 on the free throws. Seemed like every Hawk who went to the free throw line missed a few. Actually, John Collins bucked that bucked that trend, but the Hawks were just 13 of 24 on free throws. But Kevin Herter was cooking. He had 11 rebounds, so that was a playoff double-double, uh, four assists, three fouls, and a steal, and no turnovers. He also had another block shot, and quietly, Kevin Herter has become very proficient at the guard position for getting blocks. 
You start with Trey Young after Kevin Herter. Trey was just incredible at the beginning of the game. He couldn't miss. And for most of the game, he was getting anywhere he wanted. He was 13 of 30 from the field, 5 of 10 on his three-pointers, 3 of 5, again, missing a couple free throws uh, for 34 points. He had 5 rebounds, 12 assists, uh, 3 steals. The one bugaboo for Trey is his turnovers where he had 4 of them. But again, he's being very aggressive with his passes and trying to get his teammates' balls in position to to score. He had one amazing alley-oop to John Collins that dunked all over Joel Embiid. Um, it's one of the dunks of the, the year, one you're going to see over and over again. But uh, Trey was able to find his teammates and also just get to his shot whenever he wa- wanted to. I actually thought that Trey got a couple shots in floater range that you think would normally go down that just didn't. But Trey was everywhere. He had the big shot with about two minutes to go that brought the Hawks within one point. Uh, there's an awesome picture of Trey right in front of his parents just celebrating after hitting that shot. And it really felt like at that time that the momentum was all with the Hawks and they were going to be able to pull this one out. And credit to the 76ers that they didn't uh, didn't fall and they were able to get this win. But Trey Young was masterful. He was plus seven in a game that the Hawks lost by five. Uh, we've talked about Herter and Young. John Collins had a quiet game, just two of eight. He was 0 of 3 on his three-pointers. You know my uh, rule that he needs to be getting up at least one three-pointer a quarter. Um, He was 3 of 3 at the free-throw line. He had 10 rebounds, one of them offensive, two fouls, two and two turnovers for seven points. It was a quiet night for the Baptist. He is getting thrown around out there. He's being asked to help back box out um, Joel Embiid and all the other bigs of the 76ers. And he's got to find ways to be uh, more impactful on the offensive end. I think for JC, what I would ask him to do is either be rolling and dunking with authority like he did on Embiid's head or popping out and shooting the three as soon as he gets the ball. I think JC turns down a couple three-pointers every game, and as long as he's being aggressive and taking that shot almost in the Kyle Korver mindset of hunting those three-pointers, I think you're going to get good things to come out of JC. I think Collins gets in trouble when he tries to put the ball on the ground or he tries to think a little bit too much or when he straight up tries to challenge John, uh, Joel Embiid with a pump fake or in the paint. Like be either be rolling JC or be hitting that pump, uh, that three-pointer, but don't try to challenge JC, uh, Joel Embiid in the paint. Um, finally, rounding out the starters, uh, Clint Capella. I thought this was his strongest defensive effort against Joel Embiid. He was super active fronting and just providing a lot of energy, trying to uh, keep Joel Embiid off the glass and off off the score scoring book. Um, he would finish with 6 of 10 shooting for 14 points. He was 2 of 6 on his free throws. He finished with 11 rebounds, 3 of those offensive. Um, he had 1 assist and just 1 turnover. Off the bench, the big pro- uh, production came from Danilo Gallinari. He was 5 of 10 from the field, 2 of 5 from the threes. He made all four of his free throws. He finished with 16 points. He had a couple of huge three-pointers in the second half that kept the Hawks connected. He was really feeding off the energy at the State Farm Arena. It was a ton of fun to see the rooster get loosed at the farm. And uh, I thought Danilo did a nice job. It was even pretty exciting to see Danilo guarding Embiid a little bit. I I wonder what Nate McMillan does. They uh, experimented a little bit with putting Clint Capella on Ben Simmons and having uh, having Danilo guard Joel. So I wonder if Game 7, that you see any more of that. 
Lou Williams, after such a masterful performance in game five, just did not have the same energy. You could kind of tell from the beginning when he wasn't getting his floaters to fall. Um, he did have a couple nice passes to Aneka Kongwu, but it just wasn't the same Lou Williams. And I thought that the 76ers did a nice job of targeting him, especially with their rookie Tyrese Maxey. Unlike Shake Milton, who isn't really built to go by Lou Williams, Tyrese Maxey was able to get to the rim and get to a shot anytime Lou Williams was on them. I almost thought that Trey Young was a better matchup. Uh, both Trey Young and Tyrese Maxey share the same basketball trainer, uh, skills trainer, or they've gone to the same one before. And so I think that familiarity helps both sides of that. I think Maxey on Trey and Trey on Maxey. Um, so I, I would like McMillan to be a little more aggressive of switching off that. They did get Kevin Herter onto Maxey after the first quarter, but Maxey really got his confidence in that first quarter um, and was a difference maker in the game. He ultimately scored more points in this game, 16, than he had in the entire series so far. And just like the uh, the 76ers had gotten a Shake Milton game, they now also had a Tyrese Maxey game. Um, Aneka Kangu came off the bench. He almost played 10 minutes. He played nine minutes and 46 seconds. He was two of three from the field for four points. He missed those two big free throws at the start of the fourth quarter. He had two rebounds um, and one block shot, a monster block on Tobias Harris. Uh, he continues to flash some of his defensive uh, qualities and talents. And it's good to see Aneka continue to get playing time. Finally, Solomon Hill played seven minutes. He did not record any points. He had two uh, rebounds, two fouls, and uh, was minus 13 in his seven minutes. So, uh, And we saw no Tony Snell. I don't know if Nate McMillan is tightening his rotation now that we're in the game six and now game seven, but no Tony Snell. And uh, with Bogdan Bogdanovich going out, and a lot of those minutes having to be sopped up by Kevin Herter and Trey Young, it might have been nice to see Tony Snell out there. But the Hawks just didn't have any answer really for the offensive rebounding of the 76ers. I thought a big part of what made the 76ers go was they weren't shooting the ball particularly well. Again, they only shot 41% from the field, but they were able to get a couple more possessions. Furkan Korkmaz did a really nice job having two putbacks that were huge after kind of broken possessions for the 76ers. And it was just an area where in a very tight game, a game decided by five points, a couple putbacks, a couple of extra possessions go a long way. But for the 76ers, their big three of this game was Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and Seth Curry. Tobias was very aggressive at the beginning of the game. He was 9 of 20, 2 of 3 on his three-pointers. Um, he made all four of his free throws. He had five rebounds, two assists and no turnovers. I thought he was pretty good, and he was a big closer for them late as well. Seth Curry, he got all of his points. It felt like he had eight points in the first half, and then he had 11 in about two seconds in the second half. Uh, Curry was 8 of 14 from the field, 6 of 9 on three-point land. He finished with three rebounds, two assists, um, a steal, and a block shot. He was plus nine. He was, uh, of all the starters for the Sixers, he had led the team with a plus nine, plus minus. Um, to finish with 24 points. And then Joel Embiid just continues to be the guy that just eats up a lot of minutes, eats up a lot of possessions, but is putting up fine numbers. He was 9 of twenty from, nine of 24 from the field, just 1 of 4 on his three-pointers. I do think if the Hawks can induce him to shoot a little more uh, from deeper, it would help them. He finished with 13 rebounds, 7 of them offensive. I mean, that's just incredible. And 22 points. And again, there was a big dust-up during this game where – uh, he went up 
and got John Collins with his elbow as he was trying to shoot it. It was an offensive foul. He landed right on John Collins as John Collins went down, and there was both Collins and Embiid got technicals. But uh, Joel just continues to be really the engine that makes this 76er team go. Off the bench, again, this was a Tyrese Maxey game, 16 points in 30 minutes. He was 2 of 5 on his 3, or 1 of 2 on his 3-pointers, 5 of 8 from free throws, 5 of 12 from the field. He had 7 rebounds, 1 assist. He was just getting where he wanted to go. You could see the joy on his face. Um, He just had everything working. Otherwise, there's not a lot off the bench for the um, 76ers. George Hill did hit a uh, three-pointer that was huge and kept the lead for the 76ers, but otherwise it was really their starters that did a nice job in getting this win. Um, this was just a brutal loss for the Hawks, a 104-99 to loss that they had a big chance, a golden opportunity to get a win and finish this series. Now they get another chance to, to do that. They get a chance to go into Philadelphia on Sunday and get a win. They've won twice in Philly already. Um, it would have been pretty impressive to win three straight to close out this series. So now we get a game seven where it's winner takes all, winner moves on. And uh, I think no matter who wins and who loses, the loser is going to feel really uh, like they they missed an opportunity to advance in, in the playoffs. But uh, the Hawks came out and flipped the script a little bit and played really well in the first half. I think they're going to have to continue to do that. I think the Hawks need to value the ball a little bit more. And I think they need to continue to be aggressive. I think sometimes... Trey Young in particular can try to go for some kill shots early. He shot the ball so well, I can't complain about anything that he did. But I would just hope that he had saw this game and realized, you know, we could have built the lead up five or, or seven more points if we had just taken care of the ball a little bit. It can get helter-skelter sometimes, and that certainly benefits. Uh, any transition benefits the 76ers, in my opinion. And so if the Hawks slow down a little bit, They'd be able to again push this lead and make it make make it large enough where the 76ers don't feel like they come back. But for all this, the Hawks five seed are going to Philadelphia, the number one seed, for Game Seven to decide who makes it into the Eastern Conference Finals to play the Nets or the Bucks. Um, it everything comes onto the table now. We'll see what the prognosis is with Bogdan Bogdanovich, but um, this is going to be fun one to watch. These teams don't like each other. This series has gone the full distance, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch on Sunday, and the Kettlecast will be here to bring you your recap after that. Go Hawks! Thank you for catching this episode of the Kettlecast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com, and if you leave a rating or a review on whatever platform you use to get your podcast, that's a huge help. Thank you, and go Hawks!